It's Sex and Sarah Rose. I'm Sarah Rose, and really quick before we get into this episode, I know you may have found my podcast because you were looking for some interesting information about sex to listen to, but what you may not know is that I actually work with a lot of men to help them tap into their inner badass, have the sexual confidence that they've always desired to have, and to know once and for all that she isn't faking it. I have two distinct programs to help men. The first is for men who are ready to take the first step towards igniting their powerful sexual energy and getting better in bed. It's called Sex Stallion Training and it's an online program for you to do on your own time in the privacy of your home without a partner. This is for men that are single, in a relationship, or dating people. The second is called Man on Fire, which is the only sex university just for men. This six month program is designed to help you become the ultimate sexual master. For six whole months, you train with me in live online sessions, and I will train you to be the best lover that she has ever had. So if you want the sex secrets that every woman wish you knew, and you wish that every woman had told you, this is where they are finally revealed. Check out more info at tantricactivation.com or just check out the show notes in the podcast app you're listening to this from now, and there will be links there for you. Thanks and enjoy the show. It's Sex and Sarah Rose, and I am so excited to have with me today uh, a wonderful, amazing guest, Sophia Sundari. Sophia is an international transformation leader, best-selling author, speaker, founder of the Priestess School, facilitator of courses on spiritual development and sacred sexuality. She has worked with people from 80 countries and supported them in returning to their innate beauty, true power, and deep love. And I'm so grateful you're here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's so much fun to be able to meet you in this way. Thank you for joining us all the way from Spain. And I'm really excited to learn more about you, go deep with you. And I'm really curious how you went from working as an attorney to uh, working in the realms of spirituality. Well, originally, perhaps what's interesting is how I even ended up being a lawyer, because it sounds like something so foreign to who I am and what I believe in and the life I want to lead. And that was basically just a decision made out of a concept, like what it means to be a successful person. And even when I became a successful person in this law field, I didn't feel successful. It was more like an external thing. And uh, the society was validating me. My family was validating me. My boss was validating me. But uh, I didn't really feel happy. So at some point, I started to really dig and look for a different kind of success and a different kind of happiness like I wanted to feel alive I wanted to feel that I am really um, uh, successful from inside and uh, that took me on path of, of searching like I started searching for something I didn't even know what I was searching for but I was searching for some kind of different feeling some kind of different life and this search brought me to I mean all over the world really but originally to Asia and uh, there I started diving into 
realms of uh, yoga, Hatha yoga and Kundalini yoga. And this became so fascinating to me. So I really started sometimes skipping my, my job. Like even when I came back to Russia, I started to just go to my yoga classes in the mornings and skipping like half of the day sometimes. And then eventually with this kind of lifestyle and traveling so much, every time I could, I was traveling. That's, that was kind of extension of my search. I kept feeling like I have to travel somewhere, have to go somewhere, have to explore something. Uh, and then I got fired, basically, <laughs> with this approach. <laughs> uh, because it was not uh, what was a successful lawyer supposed to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and, and I was just, like, started traveling and traveling. And then eventually I realized that I have to travel inside. Instead of having cons- consistent travels outside, I started traveling within and lots with the help of meditation and help of various spiritual practices and um, esoteric uh, science practices from various traditions from Kashmiri Shaivism and Tantra and Taoism and Western esoteric science and all the way up to quantum physics and things. So all just using different tools and techniques and staying in a yogic environment for a prolonged time. Also, I ended up spending five years in a yogic tantric school in Thailand and then another year in California in a very intensive meditative uh, meditation environment and a retreat. So, yeah, all of this was taking me inwards. And, uh, yeah, basically that's what uh, created uh, me as I know myself today with so many, uh, so much transformation, so many little ego deaths, um, so much had to die, so many ideas of uh, how I had to be, had to die. And then, yeah, eventually I became uh, and keep becoming (laughs) something that I don't even know if I will ever become. (laughs) Yeah, that's such a, a very um, a story you hear a lot in the the realms of transformation, spiritual transformation, of not living a life that felt really empowering, just kind of going along with the status quo, doing what other people think you should do, and then like finally saying, no, I'm going to live my life, live my life on my terms, the way that I want, like this juicy existence, and it's so exciting to see people wake up to that, you know, and it's not to, I actually, you know, a lot of the guys that I work with, they're in very traditional style jobs. And I always remind them like you can have a juicy existence and still you know, still be uh, an attorney or be an engineer or, you know, work in finance, all these, these different things. Like, I don't think it has to be one or the other. Do you have recommendations for people who might feel like they have to choose one or the other? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I feel that it was my path. Like for me, somehow I needed to have this radical thing, this completely radical. I had to leave the country where I was living in and I had to leave my whole life behind to really dive in deep. But it's a specific purpose of my life and a specific guidance of my life. I work with so many people, uh, men and women from all over the world who don't have to leave their careers, who have their families and their children and nothing really changes outwardly. But when they discover the path of transformation, something changes inwardly. And that feeling of success, the reference of success even, and the reference of happiness changes. 
it becomes less of what other people think your life should look like and how your success and your happiness should feel like, but more like how it is actually feeling from inside. Because you can do the most boring things, but feel totally filled with joy and happiness uh, if you have this right attitude within. So yeah, it doesn't really matter what you do. It matters who you are on the inside. Yeah, I totally agree. And thank you so much for speaking on that because I feel like a lot of people look at teachers that, that teach this stuff and that is our entire life. Like we spend our entire lives doing this. And so sometimes they think, okay, well, is that how I have to be in order to be on a path like this in order to do personal development work and transformational work? Do I have to give up my life and completely change everything? I'm like, no, you don't have to, like you can do both. Like, and I, that's one of the things that I love about Tantra is that it is uh, it really traditionally was like the path of the householder. It's for people living in society, doing things in society. And so it's, I think it's important for people to, to realize like you, you can absolutely do both, but I would love to hear more about soul connections. And this isn't something that we've really talked about on the podcast before. And so I'm excited to, to hear your take on this and, and just um, hear you speak your wisdom around it. Hmm. Well, uh, there are so many approaches we can take to this um, uh, because it also depends on what do we call a soul. So we will refer to a soul in the, to, you know, according to the purpose of this conversation. We will say that it's a, uh, like a refined part within us. It's a, it's a part that really feels like home and we all know it. Like it's, it's like a, a sense of like, this is me, like I know it myself, but normally it's a very intimate experience. It's not really something that we even show so much to the world, but it's something that we can get in touch with sometimes in dreams, sometimes uh, when we just wake up in the morning, sometimes when we just do something that we really, really love, sometimes in sex, in sex actually this is quite a common one because you know for many people it's actually in this when we taste the ecstasy of 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 the soul when we taste the ecstasy of love it's exactly through sexuality so that's why i find that um people who are drawn to even topics like we're discussing now to the podcast uh with, with a name like yours and uh, just to this uh, subject of sexuality i feel like actually these people they kind of actually remember something they remember the sacredness of sexuality that's why we are so drawn to it because we know that through sexuality we open some portals we open some doors which we otherwise might not access um, and it is like yeah something is mystical about this but it actually it's not that mystical because it is something that's intrinsically intimate to ourselves to human experience so that's what we will refer to as a soul. And, um, and there are different ways to develop a soul connection, either with yourself or in a relationship with someone. There are various practices in Tantra, for example, uh, in other traditions uh, that just help 
uh, become more naked in front of each other. Even like a very simple practice of eye gazing with someone, uh, you know, sometimes people get so uncomfortable, like right. they come to a workshop and the first thing they have to do is look in the eyes of all those strangers and breathe together. <laughs> it's yes. like, oh my God, what am I doing here? Uh, <laughs> and actually, uh, and some people start crying and like yeah. really having huge emotional reactions just from looking in the eyes of someone. Mm-hmm. And it is so vulnerable because actually through the eyes and there's this uh, ancient saying that we all know that the eyes are the windows of the soul so because it, it actually is very vulnerable to really look at someone for a prolonged time through your eyes and not because you're seeing them but because they're seeing you yeah. and that's really the trick of this practice where um, and that's a very common thing I would do with couples when I work with couples for example is that you just really let yourself be seen you make yourself totally naked even if you have layers of clothes on but it's like this nakedness that you really allow someone into this intimate experience of your soul Yes, absolutely. I remember when I was doing uh, some white tantra uh, in the, from the Kundalini uh, yoga tradition, and we would do hours and hours and hours of eye gazing. And there was um, one person that I was in relationship with, and like that was pretty much the end. It was like he, it just. It, it was the icing on the cake of like, nope, no more. This isn't going any further. And then another time I did it, totally fell in love with the partner that I was with that I wasn't even like in a relationship with prior to that. So it's very, very, very powerful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you get so naked because, and for some people it's like, it's like hell. It's like, no, I don't want to be seen. And no consciously obviously but yeah something inside is feeling so scared of actually being revealed in that vulnerability and it is really really uh, tender territory to really reveal your softness is much more uh, intense than revealing your full power and strength when you're in control and you know what to do and you know you're in charge but it's like revealing yourself and nakedness it's it's intense and then exactly that's what makes us fall in love with each other because Actually, if we would really walk around and look at people's soul, we would be in love all the time. We would be <laughs> mesmerized because the nature of the soul is beautiful, but it's normally so deeply covered by layers and layers and masks and uh, accumulated protection. Yeah, the uh, all the layers. I like to call it the original essence, uh, just like the truth, the deep authenticity that's there deep within, you know, for people that may not resonate with the the term soul, like just some other ways of, of looking at it. Like we all have the this part of us that, that we just know it's there. And sometimes we get really disconnected from it and we, we can't hardly even feel it anymore because it is so covered up by all these layers, the, the shame, the trauma, the conditioning that we have. Um, but I know like even at the time in my life where I was the most disconnected from it, where I was the most numb, where I really didn't know myself at all. I was so shut down. There was still like this part of me that I could feel so deep within, almost just like a faint fire that was still there, just like the the embers from the fire. And like that is what I resonate with as my core essence, like my truth. That's how it feels to me. For other people can feel different, but like it was there. And like through these practices, I started 
lighting that fire again and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger you know and it and really like using that to to burn away all the stuff that was holding me back and you know, so did you have some like what was your experience with it mm, beautiful thank you for sharing yours yeah for me it felt like coming back home like when i really landed into something because i as i was sharing i had this search that was oriented outside i felt like i had to search for something outside i had to i had to become someone who i was not i wanted to become more confident i wanted to become more uh, like something more more uh, bigger somehow bigger than i was in ter- like as internal experience then everything changed when I realized that actually I can travel inside and then this feels like a homecoming that actually the more I peel those layers, it's like an onion, like you peel layers, the more you peel, the more you cry, (laughs) but actually the closer you get to the core and that's the core that I refer to as a soul in the, in this conversation. But really that, that felt like, coming home and that's that's uh, such a tender and beautiful space we all have within hearts yeah and from that place like that's where you can have the most amazing incredible sex making love with somebody that has also come home to themselves and then you come together there's really nothing like it like that type of level of intimacy I haven't found anything that can compare. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, totally. That's the best. <laughs> because then you're really naked. Like you're, because sometimes people get naked, they take off their clothes, they think they're naked. But no, they have all those layers of boundaries and protection that actually are armoring them and not allowing this full shedding to happen. And that's the best thing to do with, uh, with our life, with all this protection, is to let the fire of love burn all of it. Because when you let yourself be burnt in the fire of love, then you just get melted and you get soft and actually nothing that, that and sometimes people are scared to hear that, oh, how is it to let go of all those things? But they work, like, why should I, why should I let them go? But in fact, uh, what is true can never burn. What is the real core of who we are can never burn away. All the things that can burn, uh, all that are not true. So... And that's always my invitation to trust and jump into life without safety net because it's the best and most beautiful way to live and to meet somebody as well. Right. When you enter into a relationship, for example, yeah, so many people have this like second option or exit door or if something goes wrong then I can do this. But it's like, try, try to go all in and, and see what happens. And this is not comparable to anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have recommendations for people, like things to look out for before they jump all in? Because you want to also be aware of, you know, who you're jumping all in with. And is this person worthy of you jumping in and bearing your soul with things like that? Do you have recommendations, like, I guess, just red flags to look out for or things like that? Mm. Well, I find that if you are jumping, then better jump in all the way. And if you really feel for some reason that uh, no, then just don't go in at all. Like, okay, it's okay to date, it's okay to have this connection, but like, like not kind of go one foot in, one foot out. You know, that's what I mean. Um, and then, um, yeah, of course, you need to just uh, like... 
and I feel like, again, like, you know, the more we turn inwards, the more we listen to ourselves, the more we connect to that vulnerability within ourselves, the easier for us it is to recognize the right people for us. Because we also start resonating with certain people and attracting them and then also trusting that the, the people who are, who we draw into our life, they are the right people for us for some reason. Maybe not for a 50-year relationship, but sometimes just for a certain lesson. Yeah, we have to receive because I've experienced this, probably also experienced this, where I just was in this most dreadful relationship and feeling so burnt out and so um, just turned from inside out. There was a feeling like just so much pain and so much suffering and feeling so rejected and uh, abandoned and all my deepest wounds came to surface in that relationship. And that's also a gift of a relationship because we have to see those wounds. We have to face them because then we become more complete human beings. And until we face them, we may imagine that, oh yeah, life is so easy, it's all so smooth and so nice. But actually, this is also a beautiful lesson. But yeah, then, um, and then I feel like, yeah, it's just actually about trusting. I don't really uh, believe in toxic relationships or something. I think it's a toxic relationship if we can have any, it's with ourselves. Mm. If we don't listen to ourselves, if we don't trust ourselves, if we're not honest with ourselves, and it's like you have all the signs that you're just not happy with this person. It's like for some reason, it's just not working and you're trying to make it work and it's not working and inside you're just having more and more pain, then trust this. And this is a red flag, I feel, to really watch out for. Yeah, absolutely. It really does start inside with you and what's going on internally. And it's uh, that's why the personal development aspect of it is so important. Like doing, uh, I, I definitely think that it's good for couples to, to work with coaches or therapists or teachers to, to really help with their relationship. But if you're not also, and if you haven't already done the work internally on your own self-love, loving yourself first and foremost, it's going to be nearly impossible to love somebody else uh, fully and to receive love from somebody else fully. And so it does, it begins there. I mean, I say it all the time, like the journey starts right there with self-love. Yeah. We could not escape this one. Yeah, self love. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, so I'd love to talk with you about sexual shame. This is such a big topic. It's just an unending topic, Sophia. <laughs> like there's so much sexual shame that people have, and it it breaks my heart. It's something that I I just spend every moment of my life trying to. Um, help people break through and, and, and in my own way, work with that in society and how it's holding us back and, you know, do all get through all this, but it's, um, it's a big job. It's a really big job. Yeah. And it's amazing that it's kind of endless in a way, because we keep like, the more you go into it, then all of a sudden it can come up again. And even if after years of work, sometimes it can come up again. And sometimes we look at, you know, maybe many experiences, it's like you've already kind of worked on it and you looked at it. And then it's like years later, it comes up again. And it's like, what? And I feel like it's a really important emotion to face like to really face our shame, to really be with our shame, because uh, fundamentally what shame says is that something with, with us fundamentally is off. 
and something with us somehow fundamentally we don't really fit in or we don't really belong or we, we are somehow wrong in our essence. And uh, this is an important experience to, to just live through as a human because on some level we all have it. Like we, we all have this shame and it gets just reinforced by experiences in life. And sometimes we get shamed as soon as we start exploring our genitals. Yeah, that's uh, normally the first thing where we get this imprint like, no, your hand's gonna fall off or this is wrong what you're doing. And then as we go through life, then we keep getting more and more shame. And then the shame, specifically sexuality, just impacts our whole life because sexuality is such a fundamental place of who we are. And then if our sexuality is wrong and the rest is wrong, of course. Yeah, then so that's why it's beautiful to go straight to sex. And, you know, just for everyone listening right now, it's like it's, I really honor you because it's such a taboo subject still to talk about sex so openly, but it is a fundamental, it's a core level of who we are. So when we resolve things on that level, we resolve things uh, along, along our whole uh, personality as well. So yeah, it's amazing that there are layers and layers of it. And it's just like facing this inadequacy, this kind of original inadequacy. Am I even allowed to be alive in this body, in this life, on this earth? And it's wonderful to feel it. And then to also see that the more you allow yourself to feel it and, and process it and uh, resolve it and maybe write about it or talk about it uh, and feel it, move it, uh, the, the more whole will become. Yes, it's, and I love that. It is about being alive. That is what our sexuality is. It's a life force energy. And when we're not connected to it, when we don't feel it moving in us, when we're not connected to it we don't feel alive like and that is that is the saddest thing and there's so much attack on our sexuality and it's crazy that here we are in 2020 and we're still having to deal with this i mean you're in europe i'm in the u.s like these are supposed to be <laughs> places where we have freedom but our sexual freedoms are continually under attack and i'm not just talking about the rights around our sexuality because those are too but i'm just talking about even feeling sexual like that is under attack all the time it's not okay. Like if you, if you are a type of person that feels it in your body, like really embodies your sexuality and that just naturally flows from you in a really conscious and empowered way, like people notice and they're attracted to it and they like it, but there's also so many people that want to shut it down. They don't like it. They're like, uh, who, who is she to have that? Why? She can't look like that. She can't own her sexuality in that way. And they want to shut it down. Mm. Yeah. And you know, I find that this is one end of the spectrum, but then there is another end of the spectrum and a super strong one. Yeah. With a whole repression because we, we receive it from, again, very early age. And also uh, religion sometimes gives us those ideas that we become sinners, if we have sex just for pleasure and all of this. Yeah. So we have lots of uh, places to absorb this information from. And it's 
creates this repression and disconnection. But then there is another end of the spectrum, which I find really fascinating, because sometimes this kind of outwardly expressed sexuality, it's also a form of shame around sexuality. Because also it's like, oh, okay, my sexuality has to be like the sexuality from porn or like those uh, super sexual actors and actresses that we see. It's like, that's the, the sexy, that's how sexy looks. And this is also, it's like this excessive kind of, it's like, oh, look at me, how sexy I am. This is also not a really healthy sexuality okay it doesn't it's not repressed anymore however it's it's still a product of shame because the healthy sexuality is just it's just a fundamental like we were saying it's a life force it's a fundamental as, uh, aspect of who we are it's so natural it's like being a human and uh, all these excesses they just uh, like kind of destabilize us and eventually through conscious work and uh, through just conscious relationship with our sexuality, we can come to this middle zone where it's neither repressed nor in excess. And then it's like, yeah, when appropriate, yeah, when, when we feel like it, we express our sexuality and we just recognize ourselves as sexual beings. But at the same time, we don't need to prove it and yell on every corner, like, look how sexy and orgasmic I am. That's also an excess in the balance yeah and i think it's just what what it is what comes internally that flows externally rather than being like an external shell that like this show that's covering up something else that's internal and mm -hmm. for me like when sexuality is something that really feels alive and powerful on the inside and then expresses itself outward that feels a lot more grounded and complete and whole rather than like you said like trying to mimic porn stars or things like that uh, you know because i think it's it's fun it can be uh, just it can be flirty, it can be feminine, it can be all these different things to express sexuality, but really it is. Is there an integration that's happened? Is there healing that's happened internally? And is it expressing from that place? Or is it just trying to, to cover up pain or shame or whatever it is that's there, you know? And, and even sometimes it's just rebellion, you know? And like, and I think rebellion can start something, but if that's where it ends, then you're not going to get the complete picture. You know, I remember like being like rebellious about uh, against certain things that from religion that were holding me back and that fire, that rebellion from that fire, like it propelled me to change myself, to change my life. But if I had just stayed in that state of just being rebellious for rebellious sake, then there's not growth there. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, topic of masturbation, <laughs> one of my favorites. <laughs> and I love that it's something that you talk a lot about as well. It really encouraged people uh, in their masturbation and how it is actually a sacred practice because again this is another area of our sexuality that has so much shame mm -hmm. absolutely yeah and um, there are also many ways to to self-pleasure or to masturbate and for most people it's this experience of kind of releasing it's like oh there's so much build up of tension okay let me just jerk off and release yeah specifically if you talk about men but also for women yeah there's a little bit this kind of quick stimulation of the clitoris and then this like bang fireworks release kind of but in fact this release 
and it's something something we can question also because this release can come with actually loss of energy and sometimes you feel kind of relaxed or you think you feel relaxed but actually if you are energetically depleted and you lost some energy sometimes a lot of energy and you just want to sleep because you need to recharge because of this loss of energy but there's a way to self-pleasure which i really endorse and invite to explore where you don't really focus only on the genitals and only on this like stimulation experience but actually you take this pleasure that you feel in your genitals and you spread it through your whole body and you use this life force, this sexual sexual energy, you actually feel recharged and you feel like you really are more yourself. You're more in tune with that sacred place that we were talking about before, the place of your home, the place of your heart, the place of your soul. Uh, and actually this is possible to also cultivate through your sexuality, through self-pleasure specifically. So, um, yeah, and then uh, I mentioned ejaculation, and so ejaculation can deplete a uh, man very greatly. Uh, and something I recommend to all men is to learn how to master the ejaculation, how to decide when you want to ejaculate and when you don't. Because also with the self-pleasure, it also becomes a training. Uh, men who do my programs, for example, I have activated men program where I encourage men to practice uh, ejaculation mastery and we have a certain time frame during which the men who do the program, they decide to abstain from ejaculating for 21 days where they don't ejaculate and they see what happens. And it's quite amazing, just, just an experiment, just to see. And then you can come back to ejaculation if you want. But many men really notice drastic differences in their pleasure, in their orgasms, actually. So if you don't ejaculate, it doesn't mean that you don't have orgasms. Quite the opposite. Actually, men also tend to develop incredibly deep orgasms. And also just an overall energetic state, uh, an overall state of well-being. Uh, this can change tremendously. And then also ejaculating not as a compulsive act, but as an act of choice. And this is also a very empowering experience that you understand that, oh, it's not that like I have to like, it's like I have this pool to ejaculate and I have to follow it. But it's more like, oh, that's, that feels good somehow right now to do it, to ejaculate. And also there are different ways to ejaculate also, you know, there's a way to ejaculate as, a, as an act of offering. It's like you're offering the, the seed of, it's like imagine with this seed, you can create a child, like man that's that's how powerful you are you can create life with that seed that that is within you and then uh, when you release that seed when you choose to release it you can also release it as an offering it's like you release that that life to like if you're by yourself you can like really just take a moment feel that what you would like to offer this seed to or if you're with a woman then you can really feel like you're it's your offering you're offering your essence to her in this form this is a, this can be very beautiful it is and it's hot too <laughs> because it feels so good when a man ejaculates and he is offering that it's like all of his power all of his essence all of his masculinity like built up in that moment and like coming inside of of the woman and it feels so fucking amazing as the woman to receive that you know to like feel a guy doing like giving that to you and mm -hmm. so I know that uh, I've had men come to me and say well the the woman that I'm having sex with she's really upset that I'm not ejaculating now <laughs> 
<laughs> and then I explain to them, this is why, <laughs> because it feels so good. And so helping them to, to understand that, but also, you know, letting women know, like, if, if a man is, you know, building his orgasm, building his orgasm, it doesn't mean that he doesn't ever have to ejaculate because we know that it's actually very healthy for men to ejaculate when they're ready to, when it feels right to them. But it is that compulsion that, that I have to ejaculate. I don't have a choice to ejaculate that the men can definitely overcome. And that helps the sex be so much better when there's conscious control over just the what's going on with your body and not being in this state of like, oh, I'm out of control. My, my, my ejaculation, my, my penis is what's driving me. And I don't, I don't have any say in that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I also have to say something important here is that uh, it's not that, you know, for men listening, it's not that just one day you just decide I stop ejaculating and that's it. There are actually practices that come together with it. And this practice, ensure that it is actually healthy to not ejaculate because then you are uh, doing certain alchemy within yourself with the energy because ejaculation is energy it's your life force energy as we keep saying and you can actually circulate this energy within you and there are practices from Taoism from Tantra uh, that teach you to circulate this energy and that also helps you to um, not ejaculate and also it's not not so forceful it's like oh I stop ejaculating now and it also becomes another goal kind of yeah it's like then there's no real connection and we go away from what is really happening in the moment and then there's this obsession of not ejaculating it also can become an obsession but uh, there are very beautiful healthy ways to do that and then to become a master and exactly choose when you want to do it and when you choose to do it then you do it fully and then it becomes a huge gift and then uh, the woman will be able to receive it as such Yes, and thank you for talking about that because it's tantric or Taoist practices around non-ejaculation are very much different than just like the nofap movement of just like stopping all masturbation, stopping all sex, um, no ejaculation at all. So it's definitely very different. So thank you for, for talking about that as well. And as far as love and orgasm and non-duality, how do you see all of those working together, fitting into this amazing, beautiful, pleasure-filled picture? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you know, I actually use words interchangeably. (laughs) And, uh, well, we can define kind of each, uh, but in the end, I find that all of this is about the same. So orgasm, I I wrote a book about orgasm and what I mean by orgasm is that really deep because we can have like small orgasms, five seconds, 10 seconds, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, one hour, sometimes one day long orgasm, but we can also enter into this orgasmic state where it's just that state of full vibrancy, full aliveness, full radiance, full just incredible fullness and also a certain emptiness but the full emptiness somehow and this really can be a state of when we're free from tensions when we're free from those needs to create those boundaries and masks that we were talking about in the beginning when we are really free from having to have those traumatic responses of uh, fight or flight or freeze uh, when something comes and and, uh, feels like threatening to us when we're free from those things then 
we can experience this wow just this unconstricted state of being and that's incredibly pleasurable and it's orgasmic and that's what i i find to be this real deep true orgasm and we get glimpses of it again through sexual experiences and that's why sexual sexuality is so amazing that it really gets us uh, to taste that nectar of this uh, state of orgasmic being so that's about the orgasm and then love is um, is sometimes people think it's an emotion it's something that we feel emotionally towards someone or it can come spontaneously and we feel like this uh, but i find that love is a state it's actually also a state that also uh, it can be produced by something it can be ignited by something it can be ignited by a beautiful relationship or something beautiful that you see and that really hits you right into your heart and opens this love within you or towards your child or just something that is really pure to you uh, but uh, if we also so it's ignited and through that ignition we can enter into that state of love and that also is our natural state it's also a state of knowing that actually love is is the glue that holds the manifestation together that everything is made out of love and everything exists in service of love and there are various mystical traditions that talk about this um, sufism for example it's an amazing uh, path of the heart and uh with so much um focus around love uh, but it also can be a direct experience that we can have that it's just you feel you are made of love you feel that you are not separated from the world around you you're not separated from everybody that everybody like yeah somehow even if someone is hurting you you also feel like you're hurting yourself because you don't feel that distance from them and it can be an experience from a very short experience many people experience this actually they experience it like maybe when we were children sometimes we have those moments of like wow but but i feel so big all of a sudden i, I feel all this something some something so beautiful vibrating through me and then uh, we tend to lose those experiences as we go as we harden as our shells can return to it again again it is also our true state and our natural state our state is is uh, is goodness it's, that's our nature as humans that's what i 100 percent believe in and then uh, non-duality is uh, a term that comes from uh, traditions uh, that speak about non-dual nature of life. So uh, dual is like when we see there's good and bad. There is uh, good things, there's bad things, there's black and white, and there's always two. You can always separate the two. Uh, there's uh, spirituality and there's non-spirituality. Some things that are spiritual, some things that are non-spiritual, for example, sometimes you know people think that sexuality cannot be spiritual that it are two different things but it's like saying that life is unspiritual and in non-duality and also tantra in its essence is a non-dual path in its in its core teaching is that uh, no there is no such separation and exactly when we breach that split between sex and spirituality that's when we say no to this duality we say no actually the very raw human animal even raw self 
is absolutely as divine as this angelic kind of feeling, like, I don't know, of this divine love. It's, it's all the same. It's the, sa the same sacredness is within it. So that's what non-duality is. And uh, basically what I just spoke about, the orgasm, that really deep uh, orgasm and the love and that really deep love state. These are non-dual concepts, in fact, and most importantly, experiences that every person is capable of having. Yes, they, they are. I love the, for me, non-dualism has really changed my perspective on everything. And it can be very freeing from going, going from a very dualistic world to worldview to a non-dualistic worldview. Uh, for me, that that was a huge part of my transformation. It was just starting to see the world, not in the terms of right and wrong and good and bad and um, this or that, but everything being as one. And that sounds cliche because, you know, it's kind of overused in spiritual uh, terminology, but it it is like there really is something there when you can just feel it and just know it that everything is consciousness and um, you may not like it, you may hate it, but like it still is consciousness and there's an acceptance um, and a, a surrender that can happen to, to life when, at least that's how it was for me when I started seeing the world, more of those terms. And I'm definitely not perfect. I am uh, definitely, you know, see things in the world and I'm like, that's just wrong. You know, like it, it definitely, it still comes up in me, but as a practice, um, it's something that I've, I've embraced and, and found a lot of liberation in. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, it's like um, an experience, you know, when we have this experience, it's a, it's called an awakening experience that we wake up to life beyond duality or life beyond illusion. And then when we have this experience, sometimes it lasts, sometimes it doesn't last. Sometimes it's just a peak, quick experience that we, but th this experience can change our whole life. Uh, it's also what happened to me like uh, about 10 years ago when I first did my meditation, first meditation retreat, when I really went deep and I was like, what are all those people? Like, I even, ha even had a hard time having my eyes closed and everyone was meditating so serious and I was like, oh my God. And then all of a sudden there was this experience that everything just lit up, everything just opened and everything just felt so full of joy and I felt part of it and there was no distance between totality of life and me. And uh, that lasted maybe 30 seconds, but since then, that, that was that experience of home uh, that I shared. And um, yeah, since then I knew there's no way back. It's like, yeah, I cannot go back to this life trying to fit into certain things because I tasted the nectar of immortality, we can say, because it's, it takes us to that experience of the immortal nature of reality, of uh, consciousness, and that's the truth of life and truth of who we are yeah so we touched on male ejaculation but not on female ejaculation and it's very popular right now to talk about uh, female squirting but female ejaculation is a lot more rare doesn't happen as as often and i would love to to hear your thoughts on on that as well 
Uh, yeah, that seems to be quite a mystical phenomenon, actually. Um, and it is, in fact, a woman's uh, step, like she's tapping into paranormal abilities, into some mystical paranormal abilities, uh, because what happens with that is like, because, you know, the amounts, like there can be a lot of this liquid. And uh, how science explains it is that it's um, from stimulation of uh, Bartholin and Skinner's gland, there comes some liquid. But the gland, you know, a gland is a tiny little thing and how much liquid can, uh, can come out of a gland. So the science is behind uh, the actual experience of many women. <laughs> and uh, some women are capable of soaking the whole bed. That's how much they ejaculate, that's how much liquid is coming out of them. So um, the tantrics see that this is actually a woman step into paranormal abilities, that she is actually manifesting sexual energy through her body in form of that liquid. So it and it can come with incredible like visions or incredible experience of just huge orgasmic states and uh, uh, yeah it it can it can be really hugely um, also revealing and uh, opening for a woman and for the partner as well in fact. So um, there are different techniques, like there are some very specific techniques where you can stimulate uh, the A spot that is located close to the cervix of a woman on the frontal wall. Yeah, yeah. frontal wall is where her belly button is. So if there comes this intense stimulation of that A spot and G spot, and the G spot is a bit lower, like, a, I don't know, maybe a, a few inches inside of the vagina, depends on a woman's anatomy. And uh, there's this like intense stimulation with this kind of movement, like come here kind of movement. And this can produce uh, the ejaculation and some women experience it like this. Some women say that it also really helps them to be standing or squatting and then they really release those waters like this. But I find that the much more powerful way to do it is actually uh, just allow it to happen. And when a woman is really open and really aroused, uh, sometimes she just starts gushing totally spontaneously and this gushing can happen from the walls of the vagina from those glands from the cervix or god knows even from where because it just can ha come as those waterfalls and uh, it's a beautiful experience and yes, yes the best the, the best tip is to relax yeah and to, to relax as deeply as possible and uh, um, allow it uh, and when there's a sensation that kind of makes makes her feel like she wants to pee then also relax into that sensation and then of course it's, it can be very shameful and very scary to pee on your partner but actually it could be the best things you've done in your life <laughs> because it might be not pee it, it, it actually it, it's if it's really the amrita what it's called divine nectar that is coming then it's it can be wonderful <laughs> Yeah, and I, I know like there, like you were talking about ways to to stimulate the ej female ejaculation to happen, and I like I've had both experiences where it's like okay, we're kind of like trying to make that happen, and it it can like my body can react in that way, and you know I can start just squirting, and it can keep flowing, flowing, flowing but it's a different experience than like what you've said where you're just so open and it just starts happening naturally and it's just uh and it isn't necessarily just from stimulating the g-spot it's coming from you know just 
just internally, like deep inside and it's just coming out, out, out. And that type of experience for me has been a lot more satisfying. It's been a lot more just, just natural, just in the flow of like, this is, my body is so open, so saying yes to this person that I'm with right now that it's, it is, it's an offering, it's giving it rather than something where it's like, okay, you know, some, some guy is like trying to prove something, you know, like, oh, I can make her squirt because there's a lot of that that happens as well. And for men listening, like just, you can encourage, you know, through the stimulation that you're doing, but don't ever try and force it to happen. Like, yeah, you might make her squirt if you, you know, are hard enough on her, her G spot, but it's not going to give, it's not going to be the same experience. She's not going to have the same sensations from it. And so what you do is just be present with her, make love to her, like get to a place of such surrender and trust and intimacy and connection. And that way her body can naturally open up and, and unlock these, these amazing floodgates that are her gift to you. Mm, beautiful yeah i love how you said that it can be an experience of trying to prove yourself to a woman and there's yeah nothing as repelling to a really like a strong woman and perhaps that's the kind of woman you want to be with anyway and there's nothing as repelling as when someone is trying to prove his masculinity or his power through showing himself in certain ways so it's, it's not the kind of women you're after that will be impressed anyway so uh but uh, yeah skip this uh trying to impress someone and, and find your worth within yourself uh, and then exactly just being present as yourself offering your full and beautiful presence this is uh, something that every woman is yearning for from her men yes so much all right, so we have a game, Sophia, that we play on the show. It's called Let's Talk About Sex. And we um, have some cards. They're all the different colors of the chakra. So I will let you pick a color. What color do you want? Yeah, what do you have? You have all, all colors? Uh, yeah, so all the different chakra colors. I have uh, red. I have orange yellow green blue and purple let's go for purple Ooh, all right let's see what this one is all right all right here we go here we go oh, to me we didn't even touch on this at all today so to me polyamory means blank Well, the word itself means nothing to me because it can mean, uh, like, depending on the context in which we use it, it can be a form of avoiding intimacy or it can be a natural, authentic choice of how uh, someone's energy wants to move in, at this point in their life. Yes, I've definitely seen both for sure. I've, for some people, it is something very natural and it's the right thing for them. And there's, there's more love. There's an expansion of love that occurs. And, and yeah, for other people, it can be uh, a way of avoiding. And for me, mm -hmm. I've just always been like, 
it's enough to go deep with one person. (laughs) And it's not that I, I I've been in open relationships. I haven't been in a polyamorous relationship just because it always felt like too much work. Like it's enough to have a relationship work with one person. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah, it is a lot of work. And some people choose to have it as work, but um, I feel it's very t- time consuming. I've had uh, those, I've been on bo- in both ends when I was using those relationships to just cover up my uh, my fear of intimacy actually and just having multiple partners all over the planet and, and feeling that that's that's how I'm good when I'm and I used to travel all the time so it's like oh if I'm in this place I have this partner <laughs> so that was actually avoiding deep intimacy and also I was in a in a like a shorter term container with a few people several times and uh, yeah that it brings up stuff <laughs> it brings up a lot of stuff and we need to dedicate a lot of time to processing the stuff because the more people the more stuff comes up and we all are interrelated and we're all super affected by each other's stuff so it's like it becomes a full-time job so never do polyamory if you have a job or if you have kids or if you have more interests in life than your relationship yeah that's really how i felt about it i've never been opposed to it at all um and i've definitely seen people do it really well but it's always been for me like, wow, I'm just, I, I am already working 15 hours a day and I don't have, <laughs> I don't have the capacity. Like I barely have the the time right now for the lovers that I do have. And like, just to, to make it full on, like just relationship, relationship where you're, you're focusing on the the healing aspect like really doing the work around it which is is i applaud people in polyamorous relationships that that really go for it and do that because like you said there's so much that you can learn and there really is so much growth that can be had i guess for me i'm just choosing growth in in other areas of my life and putting my energy into to other things right now but mm-hmm. who knows we'll see maybe at some point in the future when there's I choose to put more time in a direction like that. Maybe I would try it. I don't know. (laughs) One day, one day at a time. (laughs) Well, it's been amazing having you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Sarah. I really enjoyed it. And where can they find you? Well, um, various ways. So my website is, is very easy and it's actually like it's it's just getting updated and uh, I get totally brand new website. Super excited about it. So my website is sofiasundari.com. Sofia with F. And there you can find different uh, resources. You can download a free ebook or you can download a free masterclass specifically for men, actually. And uh, I have an online course for men. So I will also offer the link to the masterclass. It's called Activated Men. So men are very welcome to join. And also also just for your listeners, I'm very happy to, uh, for people who've been with us during this podcast, so very happy to offer a special discount code for my online course called Activated Men. So we'll also share the link to that. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thank you for doing this work in the world. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And that is Sex and Sarah Rose. 
Hey, it's Sarah again. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes for everything we discussed in this episode. And you can also find out about how you can work with me. Until next time, lovers. Down tonight.